And when I did try to start asking questions, I was gaslighted from the very beginning. So when I asked the pediatrician, hey, is it possible that we could delay the schedule? I was met with, you can't come to this practice at all if you don't vaccinate according to the schedule. Welcome to After Hours with Dr. Sigaloff. On this podcast, you will be encouraged to question everything and to have the courage to stand for the truth. And now, to your host, Dr. Sigaloff. Thank you for joining me again. I first want to thank all my Patreon supporters for all the support they've given me. I've even had a few up-level or up-tier in their support. Thank you so much. We have an anonymous family that's donating $20.20 a month. We have the Plandemic Reprimando at $17.76 a month with Ty, Charles, Tinfoil, Stanley, Dr. Anna, Frank, Brian, Shell, and Megan. We have the $10 level that was made by Kevin, and Pat and Bev have also joined this tier. We have the Refine Not Burned at $5 a month with Linda, Emmy, Joe, PJ, Rebecca, Marcus, Elizabeth, Dawn, Jennifer, Ken, and Rick. Addison Mulder has started his own $3 level. Frank is giving $1.50 a month. And our Courage is Contagious tier at $1 a month with Amanda, Jay, Spesnasty, Darrell, Susan, and V. King. I want to thank you all very much for your support. In the upcoming time, the legal fees have you know, coming to the point we're at now, the legal fees have been over $100,000 for the fight against the Department of Defense and the DOD. I appreciate any prayers, any monetary support you can give. My next guest, very special, is a mother, Jody Meshchuk, and her son had autism. And she says had autism because she figured out how to reverse her son's autism. And this should make everyone just stop wherever you are and pull up a chair and have a listen to Jody, because she's got some amazing things here that I want to hear how she was able to reverse autism. So Jody, thank you for coming on. Yeah, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. It's always good to try to get this truth out there because it's what's really hard on other platforms. And people need to know that there's absolutely something you can do for your children, whether it's autism or whether it's ADHD or quite honestly, the thousands <laughs> upon thousands of labels that they give children today and they're coming up with new labels every day so yes thank you for having me so tell me what you think started the autism and then what road you went down to try and help relieve those symptoms so i always when i talk about my story i always take people back and help them look at their own journey too. Because for me, as a new mother, I, this was now 13, 15 years ago that we first started weathering this. And I had my first child 15 years ago. And when you're in that place as a new mother, there's a lot to navigate. There is a lot of noise, both actually on both ends of the spectrum. I find nowadays back then you would find most of the noise more in the allopathic or the kind of conventional Western medicine realm. And what you find typically as a new mother is you find that there's a lot of shaming and gaslighting that happens when you start to ask questions, when you start to dig deeper. For me in that stage, I was brand new to it. Like many first time mothers are. 
And back then, even just 15 years ago, there was a lot of conversation kind of bubbling to the surface surrounding vaccines, surrounding really just the conversation of do vaccines cause autism? And at that time, many of you guys will remember if you've been around for a little while, you'll remember that's when Jenny McCarthy was the one out there speaking about this because of her own story with her own son. And so here I am as a new mother trying to figure it out. And the one thing that doesn't go through your mind as a new mother is that whatever happened to your child. Nobody ever really thinks to themselves, oh, my child is going to go down a road of a an autism road, let's say, or anything. Like you just don't think about that as a new mother. And although I was listening to the things that were going on, because you're you're trying to be aware of all the things you're trying to, nobody wants to harm their baby intentionally. I don't think, sure, we obviously have, we hear stories far and few between in the media of things that happen with parents who make really poor choices. But I don't think the average mother goes out there and says, pump my kid full of vaccines, let's harm them. <laughs> That's just not a typical thought process. So as mothers, you're, you are aware and you're looking for how do I have a healthy baby? And how do I have a healthy pregnancy? And what about the delivery? And the thing is when you start to go through that line of questioning or just even critical thinking, you're very easily pulled into the system. And that's what I think people need to be on guard first. And that's where for me in my situation, I think I was just a little bit too trusting of the system. And I find that is now 15 years down the road where I now help parents recover their children and I give them an action plan and work with them closely to be able to see these things. I think when you're in that position, you just assume that there's no way that the hospital would do something to harm your child. There's no way that a pediatrician would knowingly or willingly do something to harm your child. But the reality of it is they do. Whether they do it intentionally or unintentionally, the system is not set up for parents to take control of their health or to take control of their family. So that's first and foremost, is that's where I found myself, is I do believe looking back, that is what contributed to the path that we went on for our first child. So here I am, and it's a little, I'll try to shorten the story as much as possible because we only have an hour and there's a lot to go through. But I do want to say that if anybody wants to read our full story or know exactly what they can do, that is why I have my book that I wrote, Autism Reimagined, because we have to start reimagining this epidemic. This epidemic is not going away. In fact, it's getting worse. And it is predicted that one in two boys will have autism within the next few years. And that should scare the crap out of people. The problem is it doesn't because we don't ever think that's going to happen to our child. And we put our faith and trust into a system that does not care about the health of your child. The bottom line is they actually really don't care about the health. They treat them as a number. It's in and out in a well visit, pump them full of vaccines and you're on your merry way. And then if something happens, guess what? They're not responsible. How convenient. They're not responsible. I go back to this initial process of here I am, I'm pregnant. And you hear all the things like don't eat sushi and don't do this and don't do that, which that's a whole other podcast, but you're doing the best you can. 
right? You're doing the best you can as a mother. And then you go through that process of, okay, what do I want my birth to be? And for me, the situation that I was in at the time was I wasn't super trusting of my own ability to be able to give birth on my own, meaning having a home birth or doing it unmedicated. There was a lot of scary things that there's a lot of scary things you're told and a lot of fear that can creep in. You could talk to a fellow mom who was like, oh, I had the worst experience ever. It was so painful. It was so horrible. Make sure you get the epidural. That just automatically taints your experience right off the bat without even having an experience. So here I was basically think of a conventional pregnancy, right? So I did all the ultrasounds, which a lot of people don't realize that in that initial period where the baby is in the womb and life absolutely begins at conception. So the baby is in the womb and you, what is the standard protocol? At six to eight weeks, you think you're pregnant, you miss your period, you go in and the standard protocol is to get an ultrasound. A lot of parents don't realize that those cells are splitting super fast at that point, And now you hit it with some radiation. What do we think happens? So this conversation of autism, and I'll pull people through based off of my story, some of these facts that people don't know or realize is that autism is very layered. A lot of people like to say it was the vaccines that solely caused the autism. That can be very true in certain situations. Absolutely. I believe in that. And, and that's a part of our story. But it's the entire process. It's what was the mother exposed to in pregnancy? Ultrasounds right from the very beginning. Then that horrible orange drink that's full of chemicals. Then they try to coerce you into a flu shot and a Tdap shot. If you are getting something injected into your body, your baby's getting something injected into their body. We have to remember that always. It is not like they're in this little bubble. No, whatever you are exposed to both emotionally and physically, environmentally, your baby is exposed to as well. Autism, I love it when the haters come at me on social media and say, well, my child didn't get any vaccines and they got autism. Congratulations if it's actually true your child didn't get any vaccines because that's pretty rare in my opinion. But you're right, is that it is multi-layered. Oftentimes it's the vaccines that are the straw that breaks the camel's back or it's the vaccines that are the underlying root of why the immune system just simply cannot function. And then you have other hits coming in, right? And we'll talk about those hits. So traditional pregnancy, thank the Lord, I did not get a flu shot or a Tdap because I was offered it many times, but I did get the ultrasounds and I did do the stupid orange drink. And then I went in and here I am going in for one of my last appointments. And oftentimes what they'll do in that last appointment is give you a group B strep test. So I was group B positive, which 50%, sometimes 30 to 50% of women end up being group B positive. And the standard protocol in allopathic medicine is just hook you up to antibiotics and give you anywhere from one to three rounds of antibiotics while you are in labor delivering your child. So that was me. I was group B positive did not know that I could reverse it on my own, did not know that I could decline the test. Mothers, you need to understand that you are in control of your body and your birth and your pregnancy, and you can say no at any time to anything, even the stupid orange drink. <laughs> how, did you, so, how did you reverse your group, or how could you reverse your group B strep? 
Very simple. It's honestly, number one is you can decline the test because the the metrics in terms of what they say is the danger is actually faulty science and faulty research, which we see across the board in anything that they're trying to get women to do in terms of things like traditional testing, also vaccines. We know that's just 100% faulty science across the board. So first of all, the science behind group B strep is faulty. Second of all, you can just put a probiotic up your vagina. As simple as that. Literally, you start recolonizing the vagina with probiotics and not doing a douche, but probiotics and eating healthy is a big part of it. Just building your terrain, right? Remember, the germ is not the enemy. It's the terrain that matters. So it's actually very easy to reverse it, but also you have the ability to decline not only the test, but you can also decline antibiotics. And the reason why the antibiotics are a concern during birth and what happened to me is I'm hooked up to antibiotics. Here comes my baby through the birth canal. So exciting. But guess what? That baby has a permeable leaky gut. In fact, a lot of women and parents don't realize that the baby is actually born with a leaky gut. So that means anything that they are exposed to is going to cause an increased ability to cause damage in the body. Okay, both from think about vaccines, think about the eye goop, think about the baby wash with toxins that they wash the baby in right away. And then think about the fact that most babies, if they are born C-section, actually all babies who are born C-section, never ever get colonization from the mother's bacteria. So as the baby's coming through the birth canal, if I took antibiotics, it wipes out every bit of colonization that my baby's gonna be exposed to coming through the birth canal. So now they're born with a leaky gut with no natural colonization from the mother. That's the issue. Because now this baby has entered the world and what happens is they're either set on a path of conventional medicine, which is inject them with the hepatitis B immediately within hours of birth, which by the way, most people don't realize also, there's gonna be a lot of most people don't realize in this, is that hep B, what baby is sexually active? Please tell me what baby is sexually active. I hope to the Lord that they are not, or there's not some issues there, right? But the hep B is designed basically for people who are drug addicts or sexually promiscuous. And so instead of testing mothers who are in that category of vulnerable, like they come into the hospital, they're a drug addict or they're sexually promiscuous, test them to see if they need to get the hep B shot. No, they just do it for everybody because it's just easier. And it's a huge money maker. It's billions of dollars just to pump hep B into these babies who are not susceptible, who have no chance of getting hepatitis B. And so that's the first assault on the baby. Second assault is obviously the eye goop, the antibiotic eye goop. Why are we doing that? They should be getting colonization from the mother's womb when they come out. Um, and the third assault is the baby wash. Johnson & Johnson, boy, they make billions of dollars putting their products into hospitals that are full of endocrine disruptors and full of toxins that, again, interact with the baby's gut and can often start that process right away of baby acne, eczema, gut issues, reflux, all of those things. So all that together is your standard American birth. But by the way, we didn't even talk about Pitocin because how many times do women 
they're laying there laboring and, oh, you're just not progressing. Let's give you some Pitocin. There's a huge fallout to taking Pitocin and to having an epidural. So all these things you just need to weigh. You have to critically think about them. And I do speak about those in a lot of my things that I do via my books or via the Warrior Center that I have. So this was my son's journey. This was his journey, was the standard American birth, and he got every single one of those assaults because I didn't know any better. And when I did try to start asking questions, I was gaslighted from the very beginning. So when I asked the pediatrician, hey, is it possible that we could delay the schedule? I was met with, well, you can't come to this practice at all if you don't vaccinate according to the schedule. There was no conversation. There was no, hey, can you imagine if a mother sat down with a pediatrician and said their concerns and the pediatrician came back and said, tell me more. Can you imagine if that were to actually happen? It would be a whole different ballgame, right? But that doesn't happen. It, you're met with, if you don't follow these rules, you are not going to be allowed to come here. Now, I personally believe everybody would be better off not going to well checks at all. They're totally ridiculous and they're just a trap to get your child vaccinated. And you have every ability to be Dr. Mom at home. You have every ability to be that. But we get trapped in the system of fear. And we, no woman, no, especially women, men are a little bit different. They're wired differently. I always tell people, bring your husband with you to the visits because you are both wired differently. And if you really are going to go to a well check, you need to go with an army behind you because they will gaslight you and they will take advantage of you. In the very beginning, this is, this was my son's journey. So I look back and I go, how did this autism start? How did we get to this point where he was now given that diagnosis or he actually started to show signs at 14, 15 months? Let's go through that first year of life. So he had those assaults at a newborn, as a newborn. Then we start into the system of well visits. I was actually... I will say lucky that the first pediatrician that we went to for about six months was giving me the ability to delay his vaccinations. And so that's what I would do is I would go in and I would get one and I would go back a, a few weeks later and get another one. I actually believe that played into his autism not being as severe initially as it could have been because most children, when they go in for those well checks, they are getting eight to nine to 10 to 11 to 12 vaccines at one time. It is actually very common for a child to get nine vaccines in one visit and the mother doesn't even realize it because they're just poking them. And they're told this is what's going to save your baby. If they get chicken pox, they're going to die. That's literally what they're told, which Nothing could be further from the truth because we know the role that measles, chicken pox, many of these diseases actually are cancer protective when you acquire them naturally, but they don't want to tell you that. So we go throughout his first year of life and he's getting these vaccines little by little, but then all of a sudden the ear infections start to creep in. I was having some difficulty nursing. I wanted so much to nurse to breastfeed. It was it's emotional. It's a very emotional process that I think obviously is not talked about enough in terms of having solutions for that. And so as I was trying to nurse, I was also supplementing with formula, albeit I did choose organic, but it was still milk-based and milk and dairy, cow's dairy will actually increase the opportunity for ear infections. It increases mucus in the body, but I didn't connect those dots. I didn't think about that. 
So here come the ear infections. Now here come the constant rounds of antibiotics because you're not told that you can reverse ear infections naturally. Also, ear infections aren't typically bacterial. They're not typically bacterial, so it doesn't matter the antibiotic. And so they're just dosing out these antibiotics for every single ear infection. That's not really a, an infection at all. And now the immune system is getting more suppressed and more suppressed. So you can see how this cycle goes, right? And this is a cycle that so many parents find themselves in and they just don't know what to do, which is the vaccine. Now the immune system has to try to respond to that, but you have a whole host of toxins within those vaccines, like formaldehyde, polysorbate 80, aborted fetal tissue, aluminum, all of those things, nobody would inject into their child singly. So why are we injecting it in a vaccine? That's what's so interesting to me is the thought process is nobody would ever purposely inject formaldehyde into their baby or aluminum, but you are when you're taking a vaccine. And so then the ear infections, because the immune system is basically freaking out and not knowing what to do. So then you get the antibiotics and it's just this constant cycle that keeps perpetuating itself. We get into about his first year of life, 13 months, 12, 13 months. We'd already been kicked out of two pediatric practices because I finally started to wake up a little bit and go, this isn't right. My child is not healthy. I keep taking my child to you. My child keeps getting sick. <laughs> what is the problem with this? And so I, I said, we're not vaccinating anymore. Got kicked out of a practice, got kicked out of another practice. Finally went to another practice that was recommended in the area and had a good conversation with that pediatrician. He was okay with me delaying for a bit. And so that was fine because I still felt as though I didn't have the confidence to stand on my own two feet. And we went in for his 13, 14 month visit. The, this was the turning point. Okay. So this is like the straw that broke the camel's back of our story. So already my son is handicapped in a way with his immune system and the assaults that he's had in his body. We're still trying to fight our way out of that, but I am getting a little bit smarter, but I go in for that appointment and I'm very pregnant with our second son. So I'm at that time, maybe seven months pregnant. I go in and we check in and I was told that the regular doctor that we had made a relationship was not there and it would be the on-call pediatrician. So here I am sitting in the waiting room and this is where I cannot stress enough to mothers that your intuition has been given to you as a gift by God. The most important thing that we could ever do is listen to our intuition and mothers don't listen to it. Women, we don't listen to it. And you've got to listen to your intuition. It, it will never steer you wrong. So I'm sitting in that office, everything in my body, think of like you're in, in fight and flight and you're paralyzed, right? That this is what fight and flight does. We either think in an emergency standpoint and do something or we freeze and I froze. <laughs> Here I am frozen in the waiting room. Everything in my body was saying, pick up your child and leave and come back. Pick up your child and leave and come back. But for whatever reason, I didn't, I don't know to this day, for whatever reason I didn't. And so I go into that office, cold white walls, nurse comes in, does her little initial checkup. Still, my body is frozen and everything is telling me to walk out. Then the pediatrician comes in. I begin to ask him questions. Cause he said, you're, he looks, he basically looks at the chart, right? And he goes, huh? So it looks like he's really behind on his vaccines. We need to catch him up today. Because if you don't, your child will die of a disease. That's basically what he said to me. 
Wow. And I said, what do you mean? Yeah. I'm like, what do you mean? What do you mean he needs to catch up? What does that mean? He goes, he's behind on this one and this one. And you know, we, by the way, we have an epidemic of measles going on right now. They always like to throw that in there. An epidemic of one child that really, hey, once again, measles is very important to our immune system. So throwing all this stuff at me to guilt me. And I said to him, I said, because by this time I'm sweating, right? So I'm frozen, but I'm sweating. And here my child is sitting on the table He's already a mess. I just really wasn't at a place to admit the full mess that he was in terms of his body and his system, because I think I was also in self-preservation a little bit. And he said, I said to him, I asked him, would you give your child all of these vaccines? Because basically what he listed out was nine vaccines, three in one, three in one, three separate ones. This is what parents don't understand. Your three in one vaccine is not one vaccine. You are injecting your child with three. So if it's a three in one, a three in one, that is six. And then you add on three other single ones, that is nine. And that happens every day in this country in a pediatrician's office. Every single day it happens. And I asked him, you're telling me you would be comfortable giving your child nine vaccines. Oh, without a doubt is what he said. Without a doubt, I would have no hesitation. Vaccines are completely safe. Stop listening to the pseudoscience. Stop Googling. Just basically shame and gaslighting me to the point where I'm literally frozen and I am sweating bullets. And then he proceeds to say, if you don't do this, I will be forced to call Child Protective Services for you not complying. Wow. Wow. This also happened every day in this country. And, and I truly believe this is one of the reasons why parents cave to the system is because they are guilted and shamed and gaslighted at every turn. And they have no idea the power that they have within them to say no, to walk away. I'm sorry, measles is not going to kill your child. If it does, you are talking about a massive outlier situation where that child probably had a gazillion underlying root causes. But we have gone from a place of revering disease and, the, and what it can do to help the body to fearing every single germ that comes along. And we can thank COVID a lot for that too, right? We also can thank COVID and that whole pandemic for helping to wake up some people who are willing to wake up because that's a choice. So I woke up because of COVID. I was often like that pediatrician, maybe not huge catch up schedules like that, but I'd, I'd encourage him. I thought, yeah, this is good. This is what we do. This is, it was how the system was designed to make doctors think that this is good and to not do it is you're to be ridiculed if you're, if you don't encourage it. Thank you for admitting that. Cause that is so true. Right. And I'm always, I do obviously specialize in naturopathic medicine and different things like that, which I got into that whole field because of my son. I mean, it, it never would have been something that would have been on my radar. I was totally a, like, I work for corporate. I love the system is there to save us. And now I'm the total opposite. Get out of the system. Anyway, so there I am in the office and he's saying this to me and I just, I just freeze. I literally just freeze. And then he leaves. And as the nurse is the one that comes in with the vials on the tray and does it. Oh no, the pediatrician never does it. They don't want blood on their hands. So the nurse comes in and does it. And I just watched her literally. I felt like I was in the twilight zone. I just, it was like, 
boom. And my son is screaming and crying. Now here's, this is very important for parents to understand, especially when it comes to this conversation of Jody. It is, it has been debunked that vaccines cause autism. So tell me how this is possible. Well, there's obviously, as you know, there's a lot of ways that the body works and there's a lot of entry points and there's a lot of assaults that can happen. But I want parents to think about this for one second. Imagine your baby that is laying on that table. Now your baby has an innate ability in them to feel fight and flight. That is a part of the human body. What a baby or a toddler cannot do is raise their hand and say, mommy, I'm in fear. Raise their hand and say, mommy, I'm scared. They don't have the ability to do that. So they scream and they cry. And there's a very different scream of fear versus the scream of I'm hungry or the cry of I'm hungry. So when you have a child on that table, they don't know what's coming at them. They're scared. What happens when the body is scared and fight and flight? There's actually a little mechanism in the brain that opens up, especially at that young age of infancy and toddlerhood. Now, that part of the brain opens up because it's in fight and flight. We inject or they are injected with aluminum, polysorbate 80, formaldehyde. But let's just take aluminum because it's a heavy metal that we know is a neurotoxin and causes brain toxicity. If they're screaming and in fight and flight, and you go and you inject that aluminum, which is supposed to pool at the site, right? That's what they say is, oh, the aluminum just helps to enhance the antibodies, helps to spur the immune system so that the immune system can now recognize these antibodies and start to spur a response to it. It's supposed to be a it's kind of an activator. Where does that aluminum go? Potentially, where can it travel? Into the blood, into the brain. And under fight and flight with that screaming baby and that brain is much more open than normal, where do we think the aluminum goes? So now it goes to the brain. And you do that over and over again. And it's a bioaccumulation. That one shot may not do it. That third shot might do it. That fifth shot might do it. That 10th shot might do it. We see autism pop up at around age two and we've always asked Western medicine, so can you explain to me why it pops up at age two, magically? We have better diagnostic now. We have better testing. That's just when kids start to develop and talk and so we can see markers of it more. Oh no. How many shots do you think a child has had by that point up to age two? Bioaccumulation. So it may happen earlier for a child, depending on the ability of their body to detox or how strong their body is, it may happen at that MMR shot at 12 months old because they've had so many assaults to their system and their brain is collecting the aluminum over and over again. And once that aluminum is in the brain, it's very difficult to get out. If you look at side by side, the symptoms of mercury or aluminum toxicity and what is seen to be as autism, they mirror each other with symptoms. They mirror each other with what a child outwardly is showing. So that was basically our, what happened is I stood there and I can actually now tell the story without crying my face off because I would love to give anything in my life to go back to that moment and walk out of that office. I would give anything in my life to do that. 
but that is now a part of our story. And I will not let my son's story die in vain. I will not let it because there's too many babies to save. There's too many parents that just don't understand that are willing and ready to listen. And there's parents that aren't willing and ready to listen. And that's their choice. But I will not let his story die in vain. So it happened. I'm crying as I leave the office. Nobody said, are you okay? Nobody said, I'm sorry. Nobody said anything. It's just, it's cattle. You go in and you go out. You go in and you go out. They do not care about you. There are very few pediatricians that do. And that's great if you find them. We drove home. We were actually on the way to the park because we were going to have a play date with some other mom friends of mine. And he is screaming in the back. He is the, it is the most high-pitched scream I've ever heard in my life. And at the time, I did not know that it was encephalitis. But if you hear that high-pitched scream, that brain is on fire. And it is on fire from what is in those vaccines. So we go to the park. I'm crying my face off. My, girls are, my girlfriends are trying to make me feel better. He'll be okay. We'll pray. All these things, right? We get home. He didn't stop crying for hours on end. He never stopped all night long. So then I called the pediatrician's office and what am I told? Just give him Tylenol and Motrin and rotate it. It's normal. It's not normal. Oh no, my friend, it is not normal. And the minute that you dose that Tylenol, you completely wipe out their body's defense system of glutathione to maybe hopefully correct some of that damage, which by the way, he was, it was too far gone. That was the straw that broke the camel's back. But I gave him the Tylenol, which further depleted his glutathione. And within days, he lost all of the words he had. Within a couple weeks, he was banging his head against the wall. He was not there. It was as if he just went into his own little world. And that was basically the start of a whole new path for us. Thank you so much for sharing that, that heart-wrenching story. Wow. So now let's get to the hope part of it. Let's tell me what things you've discovered to, to reverse some of these, some or all of these symptoms. And I do want parents to understand that there is hope. Like my platform and what I do is not only from a standpoint of you can set your family up to be out of the system and to not even have to deal with this stuff, prevention, like actual true prevention. To me, prevention is here. Prevention is having the knowledge of what you're doing and the knowledge of why you're not choosing something. To me, prevention is standing in your power as a mother. And I just want people to know that if you are in a place of just thinking about having starting a family or you are pregnant right now, you have every right to choose things that will alter the course and path of your family and your child forever. But the sad part is we are in a place right now where the autism numbers and chronic illness across the board is skyrocketing, skyrocketing and it's an epidemic. And so we have to have hope and parents need to understand that even if you've gone to this place where we went, where lost my child, completely gone. I, he could have died actually. In this day and age, 15 years later, it is never lost on me in a single day that I could have lost my child that night. He could have died. And we see that happen all the time. You guys, SIDS, SIDS is not random. 
SIDS is 100% vaccine induced, 100%. I could have lost my child. And there's many parents who do go through that. But if you find yourself in this, I'll just call it a crossroads where you've been given a diagnosis or your child is, you, you see these red flags and you're not sure, you have to first have hope and belief that the body knows how to heal. Now that is going to be different on a wide spectrum, so to speak, for all children, because there's a myriad of factors that are there. But I truly believe every person's body has the ability to heal and thrive. And especially, especially when we look at this epidemic of autism, I will say the earlier that you can start to intervene, the better because their body and their brain is more malleable. But that does not mean that I have not seen kids at older ages and even adults heal because I have seen that as well. So when this first occurred, and I detail, again, I detail more of this out in my book, but basically I had a friend in my life who was very courageous <laughs> and she called me up one day and said, Jody, I see these things in your son. I really think that you need to go get him tested. Now, here's the thing is if she wouldn't have called me that day and risked our friendship, I would have never actually gone and gotten him tested because all the things coming in from the outside were, he's fine. He'll grow out of it. Everything's okay. You have to listen to your intuition. My intuition said, no, he's not okay. There is something that happened. And I knew inside of me, it was the vaccines. I knew that. I knew it was the antibiotic use. I knew it was everything that occurred in his first life. And then those nine shots were just basically the gun that went off. You load the gun and that's the trigger. So I went and I got him tested. Um, he, and actually ironically, uh, the day that he had his testing, I went into labor. So this is all a very quick process. This, this was all within a couple months that this occurred. And so I went into labor with my second son. So my parents actually had to take my other son to get his testing, which ended up being a good thing because they were able to see it with their own eyes and be able to accept what I had been saying for so long. So now we have this, hey, your son has this thing. There's nothing we can do for you except therapy. And that's basically the options that parents are given. So I knew that he needed to get into therapy. I have nothing against therapy. I do think you need to be careful which therapy you're doing, but we got him into therapy immediately. And then I started the researching and I'm going to tell you, there is nothing like a mama bear on a mission. There is nothing. I spent hours at my computer Googling, and this was before Google censored literally everything. And I was searching and searching. And the one thing that I kept coming back to was gut health. I knew that at the end of the day, everything that was in my home, everything that we did as parents was within my control. It was at that point that I finally realized I have control. Why have I been giving away my power all this time? And so I started with his gut. I didn't need to go to a doctor. I didn't need to have anybody prescribe anything. I could change his diet and what we were using in our home within my own control. So that's really where I started was we got him into therapy right away. He was going for six to eight hours a day. We basically lived out of our car. I would take my newborn. I would be having him in therapy the whole time or we'd go for a walk or I'd drop him off at my parents. And basically this was our life. Our life was in therapy between OT and PT and speech. And we did neurofeedback and cranial sacral and all of these things that I was just like, 
I don't have time. I need to heal my son. I don't have time. And that was my mission. And that is the place that mothers need to root into is you have got to do this and do it now. Forget the noise, forget the haters, forget somebody in your family who doesn't understand. Do it because you are the one that's going to be up with your child at 2 a.m. Not a pediatrician is going to come to your rescue, right? And they're not going to apologize for what they did, by the way. They'll never apologize. This is what we did right away is I was like, we got to change his diet. I got to get him off gluten. I got to get him off dairy. And then fast forward, maybe it was probably about three weeks after I got him into therapy. And I thought to myself, okay, maybe I should have a neurologist see him because I needed to get more therapy. And back then I had to manipulate the system a little bit and go to my insurance company and say, Hey, this doctor is prescribing more speech therapy. And I had to be the squeaky wheel to keep getting more hours and more hours. Today, I will tell parents, I really caution you against getting the diagnosis. You don't need anything on paper to know that you have a child that needs help and that you can do things for him. You don't need to necessarily have anything on paper. And so just be really cautious with that. But I, I did make the appointment with this neurologist who was known as the most popular good neurologist in California at the time. Of course, I wanted the best for my child. Of course, I went to the best, right? And here we go in for the appointment. I've got my newborn and I've got my oldest son and we go in and at the time he was just creeping up on about age two at the time. And she does her testing and I'm watching through the two-way mirror there and seeing what she's doing. And he wanted nothing to do with her, by the way. I do think our children will tell us very much what they like and what they don't like if we're looking for those cues. He wanted nothing to do with her. So she did her testing. I could tell it wasn't going well. I had this sinking feeling in my gut, like, all right, he really does have this diagnosis. What are we going to do now? So we go to her office, we sit down. He's having a hard time, obviously, even just sitting down. And I've got my newborn baby. And I ask her some questions and I say, hey, doc, I won't give her name, but she really should lose her license at this point. And I said, hey, doctor, I've been researching all of this stuff about how you can heal autism, how you can do things like fix the gut. And she said, Da-da, I'm going to stop you right there. Don't listen to that quack science. She said that none of that works. She said, listen, I have two boys with autism. I'm going to tell you right now, it doesn't work. First of all, maybe you should go to another neurologist if that's the case. <laughs> if you find that you're going to a neurologist that doesn't even believe that you can do anything. And she said, don't even listen to that. That's garbage. There is nothing you're going to be able to do for your son. In fact, you should get ready to institutionalize him by the time he's 18. I just want to prepare you that he's going to need to be institutionalized. He's wow. two. Talk he about stealing two. hope. It's not a doctor's yeah. position to steal hope. But that's what a doctor does every day in this country. That's what they do. And so she said that to me, it gets better. Then she pointed at my newborn son and said, autism is genetic. You should probably be prepared that he's going to get diagnosed too. He was like wow. a month old. Wow. Then she pointed at my belly and said, you should really consider not having any more children. Yeah. I would be so livid. I am livid. <laughs> I'm not even there. And that was years ago. My goodness. Yeah. But here's the thing is that's what I needed. 
I actually needed that. Now I am a, I'm, uh, I believe in Jesus. I believe in divine intervention. I truly believe that God does not give us more than we can handle. And it has taken me a long time to come to that place because I was very angry at God for a little while. I was very angry at him. And I just truly believe that appointment was divine intervention for her to say that to me and for me to go watch me heal him. So I left that office crying, driving home, like literal, I was like this on the steering wheel, just so angry. But here's what you have to do is you have a choice. This is what happens is parents will either turn anger into there's nothing I can do and just feel defeated. And I call this the camp of misery loves company. I, I detail this out in my book. The camp of misery loves company is the most destructive place that you can be. It is the most destructive place you can find yourself. And you take any diagnosis. I want you to just go to Facebook and search autoimmune, diabetes, heart disease, heart attack, whatever it is, you name it, the label, there is a Facebook group that wants you to feel like you're not alone and that there's nothing you can do. This is the camp of misery loves company. And this is prominent in the autism community because I've been in those pages before where I've commented like, Hey, have you considered like what he's eating? And I get deleted just by saying, have you considered what they're eating? You guys, human beings want self-preservation. They don't want to know that they did something wrong, that the actions that they did could have contributed to something. And they sure as hell don't want to take personal responsibility because it's so much easier to sit in the camp of misery loves company. The other choice is you take your control back. Now, this is why so many parents, I believe a lot of parents don't go this route where you take your anger and you transmute it into action and hope because it's harder. It's harder. If I go and I change my child's diet, which we did at the time, he was eating McDonald's chicken nuggets and yogurt. Those were the two foods he was eating. And that was it. McDonald's chicken nuggets and yogurt, two of the worst things that you could ever give kids. Right. But I felt like I had to, because he wasn't eating. If I tried to offer him something else, he would cry and scream and have a fit and meltdown. And so I'd go, I don't want to deprive my child of food. Okay. We'll just go get the McDonald's chicken nuggets. That's easier. What's harder is working through the absolute meltdown of that child detoxing from gluten and dairy, caseomorphines and gluteomorphines, which act like freaking cocaine in the brain. Do you know how hard that is to weather a child coming off of that? But let me tell you, the other side of that is hope and beauty and healing. But that's where parents quit. They tap out and they go, I can't do this. I can't watch my child scream and cry. Would you rather have your child screaming and crying because they're locked within their, within their own body and they have heavy metal toxicity, or would you rather go through a week of screaming and crying? Oh, but now they just detoxed off of this drug that they were on in their brain. And now they're talking and now they're self-regulating and now they're sleeping and now they're smiling and now they have eye contact. Which road would you rather have? One thing that, that I do for our kids and I encourage other people to do is we, we talk about foods as either weak foods or strong foods. And this is great for adults too, because Mm -hmm. a weak food, you eat more weak food. What is it going to do? If you are what you eat, you become weak. Who wants to be weak and there's strong foods. 
And for us, anything that's a strong food is anything from an animal. Anything that's weak is any processed food and all vegetables. And fruit's kind of in the middle. You can have fruit, doesn't really matter. But we say well, you need to eat more strong food than weak food so that you can continue to get strong. And what that does is it helps that. that relationship with food. So they're not like, oh, I want to eat this and I'll treat myself, I'll reward myself with this weak food. No, you can have some weak food, but we got to eat more strong food so that we stay strong. And when you start to do that, then you can start to see, oh, after you, and you can have these conversations with your children. Oh, you had a meltdown after you ate this weak food. It's either one of two things. You're throwing a tantrum and you can control it and you need to, or you can't control it because you just 10 minutes ago ate that weak food. And to help you, I'm going to be a good parent and have you eat less weak food. Just if there was a giant meat cleaver and the child was screaming and crying because he wanted to play with it, I would say, no, it's dangerous for you to play with that. Weak food can be dangerous as well. Yeah, absolutely. And that's a great, I love that. I think it's incredibly important to understand in this autism conversation, but I actually call it the four A's, which is not new. It's not a new concept to call it the four A's, but you have this epidemic of autism, ADHD, allergies, and asthma. Now you can also put, of course, other things in there because we see the epidemic of obesity in kids, the epidemic of diabetes, all of these things, right? And so when you're looking at the four A's, all of them have the same undercurrent or root, which is the gut. So when you go through that process of healing the gut, you have to take that gut almost back to a stage of infancy. And this is why, and I'll just give this little nugget for your audience. In my purse, sorry, my dogs are barking all of a sudden. In my personal opinion, the GAPS diet, which is the gut and psychology syndrome, is the gold standard. So what that means is what the GAPS diet is doing, and we implemented this very quickly with my son, is you are taking their gut back to that stage of permeable gut in like in infancy, and you are resealing it. Now, when you reseal that gut and you take away the triggers, you take away all the things that are assaulting the body, which the most common is going to be gluten. Gluten's not necessarily always the problem. The problem is almost 99.9% .9 of gluten in this country is hybridized. So that means it's full of glyphosate and it's the wrong chromosomes. If babies were to skip that stage, that every baby seems to go through in this country where it's super cute and fun, six months of start to introduce baby cereal that's full of all these chemicals. But that's literally the first thing that they're getting is hybridized wheat. Not to mention if they were on formula and had dairy. You know, it's interesting. So through all my troubles and trials and tribulations, I get ridiculed for saying that we should feed our children strong foods or meat, animal-based products. And it's interesting because in Canada, they say some of the first things that you should introduce at six months old is eggs, liver, meat. Yeah, absolutely. And you look at other countries, really, it is creeping into other countries, which you'll notice, like even in Canada, there's obviously a lot of things that have crept into there that are very US-based, poor, like sat, the SAD diet, the standard American diet. And you can just see the fallout beginning to happen in other countries that are adopting this is that you begin to see their rates of autism and other the four A's creeping up. You begin to see their rates of obesity in children, early puberty in girls. I am so passionate and on a, basically it's something I'm talking about a lot right now on my own social media. It is not okay that girls start to menstruate at nine. That is not normal. It might be common, but that is not normal.
And that is completely indicative of eating poor quality meat full of hormones and birth control residual from the water and the soil, because what are women doing is peeing out the birth control all the time and xenoestrogens from fragrance and toxic products. And then you have, again, just this umbrella of toxicity around them that is causing all this hormone and endocrine disruption. But anyways, all the things that are common right now, be very careful of how you see that they are normalized and they are normalized to make you feel like you, you did nothing wrong and that it's genetic. There are very few things that are actually genetic. In fact, 0.01% is actually genetic in things. So we just have to, with the GAPS diet, I just want to throw that little nugget out for people. If you're in this place of where do I start is start with food. You don't have to go to a doctor for that. In fact, you're probably going to go through this entire healing process without a doctor, <laughs> like without an allopathic doctor, because they're going to just laugh at you the whole way. So much of it you're doing on your own within your own home and you have every ability to do that. But that's really where we started to see. We did a lot of things for my son. Again, I detail it out in my book, but starting with food, healing the gut is the number one place to start. You have to stop the toxicity. You have to turn the tap off. You have to stop vaccinating. I'm sorry to say it, but there is no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Don't, in my personal opinion, do not vaccinate at all. <laughs> There's no need for it. Yeah, one of the the things that I wish I could go back and do over again is go back and give, give my kids no vaccines. I wish I could go back and do that because this is what I've learned now. But there are things that are in my control and my kids have not been visibly injured by it. Thank the good Lord. But there's toxins every day around us. There's toxins that we clean our house with. There's toxins in our air fresheners. There's toxins in the things that we wash our clothes with. There's in the foods that we eat. We're just surrounded by all of these toxins that affect our endocrine system. Even plants have phytoestrogen chemicals that look and act like estrogen in plants. Soy is one of the biggest culprits of this. And it's like, why would I want to give my son or my daughter more estrogen? I don't want to give it to myself or my wife. So these are the things that yeah. you have to look at the environment that we live in and that we're exposing ourselves to and take control where you have the ability to take control. A hundred percent. And just like you said, in the beginning of what did that look like to heal your child? You have to have hope. The amount of times that I speak with mothers and their confidence is so low because they have given their power away for so long that they don't really know what it feels like to take that back and to listen to their intuition. And so you have to practice that every day. Like right now, maybe in Canada too, it's the back to school season. So the biggest stressor a lot of times for mothers is, well, what do I do about vaccines? Now, especially think about if you live in a state like California or New York, where they make it appear and seem like you better follow the rules or you're not going to be able to go to school. What does it feel like to listen to your intuition and to practice? That is a perfect time to start is by going, no, I am not going to vaccinate my child. How am I going to navigate this system? Sometimes that's an outward thing. Sometimes that's an inward thing where you're just flying under the radar and keeping it to yourself. You have to decide what works for your family. I can't tell you how to listen to your intuition. All I can say is you have one. You have to practice listening to it every day by doing the action piece every day. Even something as little as when your child gets sick, practice not fearing the fever, that the fever is the answer. The fever is the solution. Practice what do you do when a fever happens? 
not go run to the Tylenol because I'm scared of the fever. It's educate myself on what the fever does and the purpose of it and have the things in my home. Fill your home with your doctor mom toolkit so you don't feel like you have to run to the system to save you. So you've got to practice that muscle every day. Kind of along those lines, there's this book called The Gift of Fear and another book in that kind of series is Protecting the Gift. And I encourage, especially parents, to read Protecting the Gift. But in The Gift of Fear, it's not fear like, oh, I'm afraid that something bad's gonna happen. It's that intuition that you've seen these cues throughout your life and you don't always understand them, but you have this innate sense of, I'm going to die in this situation. I need to remove myself from the situation immediately. And it's getting you to able to listen to that and protecting the gift, the children are the gift. And it's that same idea of you recognize these patterns in certain situations and you listen to, that's what the intuition is. And you remove yourself and your child from those situations so that you don't risk your life or their life. Absolutely, that's why I tell parents, Listen, if it's stressful for you to go into a well check, why are you going? Why are you going? Why would you put yourself in the line of fire? Just don't. And now that starts the process of, do I even need to go to a well check? Why am I going? What's the purpose? You have to start down that line of questioning in order to be able to get to the answer. Where can people get your book? There is my Autism Reimagined book, which you can just find on Amazon. It's called Autism Reimagined. It's also available in audio and Spanish, both printed and audible. You can go to my website, thewarriorcenter.com and be able to purchase it there directly as well. If it's international, just purchase directly from me because Amazon can be tricky about that. And then also I do have the Warrior Center, which I set up as basically a place for me to help parents and walk them through this process. I have courses in there. I have my autism reversal course in there. I have loads of other things in there that parents can use and especially mothers can use to help equip them and listen to their intuition and really become Dr. Mom. I am on Instagram at the Warrior Center and yeah, Facebook too. Very easy to connect with me. I'm just writing these down right now because I'm going to put them in the link below so that people can easily click on these. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for the, giving me your time, but giving people hope because I believe that's what we're called to do here is not take hope and not give false hope, but, but give real hope. Allow people to see that there is hope in a future and that things can work for the good of those who love God. And it, it seems that you're a fellow believer and I truly appreciate that and been able to get past those barriers that, that the evil ones put up to keep us from living the life that God designed us to live. Absolutely. hundred percent. Thank you for inviting me on. And hopefully this will inspire some people who need to hear this message and just know that I often say hope is the greatest natural drug ever because it really is like the cornerstone to everything. The minute that we lose our hope and belief, then we are very easily controlled. Thank you so much and God bless. Thank you. Just a reminder for everyone out there, duty uniform of the day, the full armor of God. Let's all make courage more contagious than fear.
Last week I told you about a Zoom meeting that I was going to have. It was great. It was wonderful. We had lots of attendees. We learned all about being able to get out of the system, the system where we go to stores and we buy the same products over and over. There's over 2 million monthly shoppers that go to this that, that purchase from a family-owned manufacturer made in America with non-toxic products. They also have better than grass-fed, grass-finished beef with no mRNA, no antibiotics, and no growth hormones. This is a way to get out of the system so that you don't have to use Procter & Gamble, Unilever, PepsiCo, Kellogg, Mars, Johnson. You don't have to use any of these products, these, these manufacturers anymore for the products that you need in your house. If you're interested, just take a look at the link below. It's patriotswitch.com slash after hours. That's patriotswitch.com slash after hours. Join me and my team and be able to get out of this system where we keep giving our hard-earned dollars to people that don't like us.